Hey, hey, this is Nuno Betancourt from Extreme, and you are checking out the Jeremy White Show. Turn it up, like really loud. It's, and trust me, there's no AI involved. Not yet, anyways, he's real. The Jeremy White Show. My next guest is one of the greatest guitarists on the planet. Uh, the brand new video for Thicker Than Blood is available now where we get your music videos. They're hitting the road as well. Uh, Going to be doing a bunch of tour dates across the UK and then coming back to America later next year, wrapping up at the end of February. Make sure you visit extreme-band.com to get all your tickets and their latest record, Six, is phenomenal. We're going to talk all about that. Welcome to the show for the first time, the one, the only, Noodle Bancourt from Extreme. How's it going? Good, man. Can we just end the interview right there? That was amazing. I, like, I don't think I can live up to that. I kind of just sold everything that you needed to sell, right? <laughs> it's anything I want anybody to know anyways. <laughs> uh, how's it going? You guys are in rehearsal right now. I mean, at this point, is rehearsal even necessary? I mean, don't you guys know the set? Yeah, you kind of just, we, we, we book them, but we never really show up anymore. It's just, it's just <laughs> you know. But, you know, it used to be that way. We haven't rehearsed together in, in a long time, but unfortunately, or fortunately, whatever way you want to look at it, this new album forces us to get together and actually learn the songs that we recorded. Like, a, you know, we're, we're, we're now an extreme tribute band. We have to learn songs that people don't understand that when you're writing and you record on an album, you never actually really, really tour them or play them. You're just creating them. And then all of a sudden the album comes out and you're like, uh-oh. And you're literally sitting there deciphering like, somebody on youtube trying to learn your own your own <laughs> shit it's just like i did that why is this why did i do that why is this so difficult it's, right i mean yeah it's true i guess you kind of have to go back and listen to what you put down to tape right it's like you, you did it in the moment but then it's like oh shit i have to go learn this it, it, i'm not even that's like a real uh, that's a real uh, anxiety that all artists have that all of a sudden they got to tour the songs and they honestly go into cover band mode like because you're essentially learning something that's been recorded you can't remember ever really doing it because you only did it in that moment. So yeah, it's interesting. Have you ever gone on YouTube and looked at a tutorial for one of your own songs? Oh, without a doubt. Without a doubt. <laughs> I'm, I'm, I'm looking it up right now for Thicker Than Blood. I'm trying to work out how the hell I did that solo, see if somebody else knows. That's amazing. Talking about solos, I mean, like, geez, I, I, who would have thought that in 2023, I mean, like, you would have the most iconic guitar solo on, like, rock radio and in the world. Like, everybody was talking about Nuno this year. It's pretty yeah. crazy. Yeah, I mean, look, it's it's it was an interesting time because uh, I was as I think I was as in shock as everybody else was. You know, I was like, listen, <laughs> I I know I can play a bit of decent guitar through the years, but I've been doing it for nearly you know thirty plus years, and I know it's a decent song from Extreme, but you know when when magazines were you know, putting on their cover like Solo of the Century and all this <laughs> stuff, I was just like, okay, what's what what is going on here? And I I think there's got to be a deeper because, you know, there's got to be a deeper meaning behind it. Because And, and, I, and I, I'm not even saying that humbly. I mean, I was really going, okay, I'm, I'm, I'm that guy who always asks, the Virgo producer always asks, why? Mm -hmm. Why does something happen? I can't. And, and, I, I, and I think, you know, at the end of the day, I think what, it, what, a, what got everybody so excited, it was the guitar solo, but I think it was the guitar solo within the song of a band and a rock and roll album. And almost seeing like, you know... Uh, when you have when you have your your peers hitting you up that are like heroes to you, you know, like Brian Mays of the world and talking about that stuff. And I remember specifically with Steve Lukather from from Toto who hit me up, and I finally said to him, "I'm like, come on, man, really, really, come on, solo of the century." And he's like, "Look," he goes, "Do we know you can play? Of course we know you can play. We've always known you could play." And I said, "Well, what do you what do you think is happening?" And he's like, "Well, he's like, look, it's it's 
it's been a minute. It's been a minute. Not that there's not, um, he said, not amazing guitar players, but we follow a bunch of them online and there's a bunch of dudes that we, every day I watch and I'm like, you know, go fuck yourself. And that, that was pretty amazing. much. Yeah. Everybody's jerking off on Instagram. Yeah, everybody, everybody's like doing stuff that I couldn't, honestly, I'm not even being humble. That is like, Jesus, that's some new, that's some crazy. I can't, I'm looking at it. I quite don't understand all the, you know, the pink, uh, you know, the, the picking and everything that's going on. But I think what got it, you know, from, there's a lot of great bands and a lot of great tar- guitar players now. So I don't want to sound like, wow, I came and saved guitar all of a sudden. No, <laughs> it is, I think, I think what it was is just like a, the throwback version of the old school version of rock and roll, which is what we do. There's not a lot of, you know, the last of the Mohicans left. Right. So yeah. I think, so I, I think when people kind of saw that, you know, I, I think what I realized that's been missing, it wasn't necessarily just guitar playing within a song in a rock and roll song with harmonies and an arrangement and a band. I think it was like that mythology of rock and roll, if you know what I mean. Yeah. You know, getting that excitement of seeing a band that's all in in a video and passionate and fired up and and even during the solo, just I've always been a very physical performer or even physical when I play in a sense. You know, it's always got to have this this energy. And I think, you know, that's that's basically what Luca just said to me. He's like, well, when's the last time, you know, fine, let's forget that it's you guys. When's the last time anybody came out where you were like calling me and calling everybody else going, have you heard this? Right. Have you heard this solo? Have you heard that? So I, you know, I was like, okay, okay, I'll give you that. But at the same time, I'm like, I've been doing this stuff for, for a long time. So I think it's just people a bit starved for it within the rock and roll band aspect yeah. of it. But it's true though, because you listen to any, like, you know, if you're exposed to rock radio today, it's like, you know, all these rock alternative bands are shoegaze with like, you know, the shittiest guitar tone and like, they're, they're not really like playing melodic licks or, or solos it's it's pretty like st- straightforward kind of stuff and you came and like okay we're gonna we're, we're gonna write a classic rock song with a blistering guitar solo a catchy hook like it, it freaked people out because we're not used to hearing it in 2023 you know yeah. I, and i think i think that's what it is i think when 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 you're me in a band that's been doing that for decades we don't realize outside the bubble what's happening or not really happening it's a little i think artists are always in that kind of selfish kind of self-centered bubble in the sense of especially creatively in music of course we listen to other music but we don't realize the zeitgeist of what's happening or what's really not happening because you're too busy doing you know doing your own stuff and yeah so i think you're right i think it's just that it's something so obvious in a way and, mm-hmm. it, and i don't think it's as groundbreaking as what people say it is but i think you know you know i was watching people that i admire you know rick Beato, all these guys going you know nuno's raised the bar he's raised the bar I'm like raise the bar this i raised this bar like it's the same bar i've been playing at since like 93 94. does it kind of and annoy I, you that people are now recognizing it they're like oh nuno's amazing <laughs> like i've always yeah, been amazing yeah. yeah well it's yeah well i don't know if i would say that but i think <laughs> i've always been there doing this you know and i think i think i don't look i'm not saying you can't compose and create something exciting i think I'll give it that credit in the sense of like, okay, you 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 know, you you recorded a solo, it's in a song, and it's refreshing right now, and take it, you know, take it for its worth. Everybody's just like, just shut the hell up and take the yeah. take the compliment. But you know, for me, it was like it made me realize that man, we need more of this, you know. And I don't mean extreme; I mean just in general, you know. We need, and and it's not just, you know, the greatest compliment I think I got when this thing first came out wasn't like solo of the century or, you know, you're playing amazing or whatever it was. I think I think the thing that I that I really related to and I saw in a lot of the comments from fans and even from some other bands and peers that I know, it was like, thank you. And I'm like, yes. thank you. 
And I was like, what, what do you mean? Thank you. He was like, no, no, thank you for the album. Like, thank you for a rock album that we can put from top to bottom that you actually gave a shit about. And there's 12 songs that you're really excited about and proud of. And you took the time. I remember you know, when Tom Morello said that, you know, that you took a lot of care into this, like you were actually cared about. It was, it was such a weird comment to hear. You know, I didn't even know if it was a compliment, but it was like, it was like, wow, I get it. It's like, it'd be nice that like, you know, like we did back in the day, all the bands we grew up on, you know, when, whether it was a Van Halen album or a Zeppelin album, not the where I'm comparing myself to them, but it was like, you couldn't wait for the body of work. It wasn't just a song on a playlist. Mm -hmm. It wasn't just, it wasn't just a, a playthrough of a solo on, on Instagram. It was like, no man, there's something coming with artwork and there's a tour and all this. No, stuff. it mattered. Yeah, it mattered and you got pumped up for it, you know? Mm -hmm. So hopefully in this digital age, we can, we can try to go, you know, try to keep that going. Cause there's a lot of bands doing it. Trust me in, in the more modern rock, you know, and yeah. guitar players like Andy James and five finger death punching. These guys are just so incredible, but I'm saying in more of our old school rock and roll where, uh, I, you know, we, it, it's a little bit more, uh, it's a bit more simplified. Yeah. Than we did, and, you know, I always call it simplexity is the word where it's like, where it's, uh, it's simple, you know, songs are always three and a half minutes, four and a half minutes, four minutes from like the beginning of time. Rock and roll has not changed that way. But I think bands who care enough about it make it a little more complex within those simple spaces, meaning that if you peel it back, there's some lyrics in there, there's some meaning, there's some melody, there's some harmony, there's a solo, there's an arrangement, there's there's a musicianship, you know, yeah. instead of, you know, so I think that's, that was always the, the beauty of rock and roll was like, it was, it was you know, uh, it was always simplex, simplexity. It was always like, man, it's just a three and a half minutes on, but why do I want to keep hearing it and hearing it and I discover new things underneath it? You know? Yeah, it's it's pleasurable to listen to. I mean, it, look, even, you look at guitars today and it's like it, it's like trying to get some delay and some chorus on a dirty guitar tone today. It's like, everybody's like, no, what are you doing? That's 280s. You, you stay yeah, away yeah. from that. Everybody's so afraid of process tone or like any type of modulation. I'm like, why can't we bring that back? Yeah, well, even tapping in a solo, like everybody's afraid to do it. Why? Why? It's it's cool. Yeah. Look, I mean, I always said, you know, uh, if you're gonna tap or do anything, you obviously you 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 you're you're instantly you know raising your hand to Edward, and which is fine. I have I have never had any issue, you know, wearing my influences on my sleeve in the sense of like I'm proud of, you know, I anybody who comes out and thinks they invented everything is like full of shit. And you know, I think what happens is you end up creating your own sound and your own style through all the different, all the different inspirations you have, you know, you know, and in my case, it was always, you know, Paige and Edward and Brian May and, and Al Demiola was a big percussive one for me. And, you know, Pat Travers and people like that. Pat Travers is a big, big part of my funk rock approach to everything. You know, the album Go For What You Know was like meant everything to me. I, I listened to that religiously and still do. So I think inevitably, if you try to get your own voice that way, you know, with with all your different influences, you don't do it on purpose, but there's no doubt you're going to hear Edward in your playing and you're going to hear Brian May in your playing and different solos and different stuff. You know? Yeah. Talking about Edward, of course, you know, that solo you mentioned in the presence of that it was sort of like an homage to him. There was recently an interview on the Howard Stern show where a, a big guitar player was on there and, you know, he, he was trying to play an Edward lick and he was like, oh, this is by far, nobody could play this. This is hard. Do you, is, do you think you could play Mean Street by Van Halen Nuno? Look, I'm not taking that bait. I already got in trouble with Slash once already by mentioning his name. I'm not going I, that's why I didn't say no names. I just I'm said, can going, you? I'm not going you... to the house of Joe. <laughs> you know, I just did. Uh, listen, I just did a, 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 an interview, honestly, maybe about a week ago. Yeah. Uh, 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 with uh, 
But it sucks when the press takes shit out of context and like makes you look like you're calling somebody out, yeah, right? It, that is true. Like, like the whole the whole slash thing was just me. I wasn't even talking about slash specific. I was talking about me slash anybody like playing different stuff in R and B things like that. But that that's just you know the second everybody waits, especially when you're doing well. I think it seems like all of a sudden like they're like, okay, there it is. Yeah, there it is. It can't all be that good for Betancourt. We got to bring him down. We got to rip him apart, <laughs> dude. But but. And all I give a give a shit is that Slash knew what I was talking about. But but at the end of the day, when it comes to you know what happened with just Satriani recently, I just did a I just did an article an, an article I'm sorry an interview for a, for this documentary that his son is doing uh, based on G three, mm. and you know and you got albums like Surfing with the Alien, which is like it, 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 that stuff is 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 lore. It's like instrumental guitar. Yeah, just it's a masterpiece. It's ridiculous. And, the one thing that I learned recently of seeing Joe or anybody, me, Joe, anybody, if we're going to take a risk and we're going to play an Edward anything, especially on like Howard Stern or anything like that, where you know you can't get it back or you can't, good luck. That's all I'm saying is good luck. Why? Because you're going now into hallowed ground. It's, it'd be like, it'd be like, I don't know, I, I know this kind of like silly, but it'd be like Edward even trying to do something that, you know, I, I remember seeing Edward on a stage at the NAMM show. And it was really strange. It was like a little jam, but it was all the guys outside of Edward with these country, Alvin Lee, Steve Morris, country picking Southern fried chicken, crazy like stuff. I mean, there was Edward. So these guys would take these solos and then it got to Edward and it was like, ooh, that's interesting because it was Edward out of his element. And the reason it was strange, it wasn't because of what Edward was doing. It was because the whole rhythm section, the whole band was not his genre. Mm -hmm. So it, it kind of exposed him in a way as well, going like, man, this is not your lane. This is not your vibe. And some people were in the crowd going, oh, see, see what I'm saying? And I'm like, no, 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 no. The whole idea of being a great guitar player is nobody can do you like you. Nobody can step into Edward's domain and fucking play Edward like Edward. The same thing with Satriani or, or Vi or, or Paige or any of these guys. But in this case, if you're going to do it, you know, you're exposing yourself. You're exposing yourself. And I think even, you know, Joe came out and said something, you know, like an apology or something. Yeah. And he's like, playing. But if any of us are going to play Mean Streets, which, yeah, I can play it. You know, I, I, I think I can play it. I can play it. I think like Nuno can play it. Yeah. But, and, you know, but you got to understand, people really get confused about Edward to me. They think it's like Edward was this flashy, tapping, you know, and it's all it's all about this kind of technical side of things. I never saw that. Edward's pocket rhythm, yeah. feel, swing is what separated him from everybody. If you're just going to play the notes and try to play the notes, good luck. Yeah. It's a feel thing. You, you know, you can learn it. You can learn to note for note. But, man, there's a pocket there. And especially Mean Streets, this funkier thing. It's all rhythmic. It's like he's a drummer. You know, and, yeah. and that's one of the things that related to Edward a lot is I, I played drums first. And when I first read that, I was like, my God, this makes so much sense. Why? the the rhythm and the and the tightness and the swing that he had was came from you know when you play it's a drum it's a drum group if you're not a drummer that played on guitar and you're going to attempt to do try this other stuff that he does that's a lot more like elasticy sounding and you know mm -hmm. like in hot teacher but if you're going to do mean streets people saying it's impossible to play it's not impossible to play it's impossible to do it if you don't have a kind of rhythmic drumming background because that's all it is. The whole thing is him going doing that. It's like him tapping on a snare drum. So then he incorporated with like harmonics that he does. And that's the perfect nuance of what I was saying earlier when Edward would take his drumming into like something that maybe he learned or maybe his influences in swing and Billy Gibbons and ZZ Top. And then all of a sudden, then you create this Edward that's like, oh my God, it's like, it's like a triple threat thing going on here that it's not just 
notes, there's harmonics, there's tapping, tapping that he does, then there's rhythm. It's the perfect, like Mean Streets is the perfect, sort of perfect storm of like, why people don't fuck with Edward. It's like, mm -hmm. okay. But it's not the hardest thing he's ever played, in my opinion. No. It's hard if it's if you don't have a rhythmic feel. But you you take every, this song's like I'm the one. Well, I was gonna say you listen to I'm the one or like you know hang 'em high. Like you listen to just I'm the one. You don't hear many people just playing. And I'm talking about the first ten seconds. Forget <laughs> the song. You play the intro to I'm the one, and you send me. I, I've seen the best guitar players that I know. My own buddies trying to do it on Instagram, and I'm like, hey, power to you for trying. But there's a there's a whole this this whole percussive rhythmic crazy mental approach to guitar that Edward had that that's why it was always so baffling. It wasn't just like it was difficult. It wasn't the difficulty. It was like man, it was so fucking him. It was so quirky that you're like, good luck having that feel and that that approach. So that's what made him the king, and that's what still makes him the king. And so when guys like me are are doing my stuff and and tipping their hat, like even in, in, in the Rise solo that everybody's raving about, there's no doubt that there's Edward all over that. And the beginning of it is might as well be right out of eruption with the with the beginning of the solo. And and not that you're doing it on purpose, it's just your influence, you know. And um, so, like, look, you got to give Joe a bit of a pass on this one because it's Joe doing Edward. And, and, and you know, and even I'm more pissed at Sammy for allowing him to do it, meaning like – Throwing him to the wolves. Like, that's why I got Joe. Nobody can do this stuff. And I'm like, look – you're you're right there. You're already putting him on the spot, you know, and doing those things and asking people to play those things. It's really difficult. And if you're gonna do it, man, and Joe probably knows this now, because Joe is untouchable as Joe Satriani. He's the greatest Joe Satriani you'll ever hear. And that's what I love about Eric Johnson, Joe, myself, anybody that nobody can attack you when you're doing you. Nobody. Yeah. Nobody can say you suck as you or that you didn't. I mean, granted, you could try to pull your own shit off live and sometimes it's like, <laughs> you know, but but my point is, is like nobody can ever rip Joe Satriani apart in that way. Now, what they can do is because he put himself in that position to go like, if I'm going to go on and say like, man, I'm about to do this right now. Mm -hmm. Any of us. It's not just Joe. It's any of us. You know, you try to do this, some ripping stuff that Slash did. People don't even realize that everybody looks at Slash as like this bluesy player. There's some solos on Paradise City, some shit that is so crazy and shredding and fast that you're like, all right, I'm gonna leave that there. I've seen cover bands trying to do it, and they're like, I'm gonna leave that part alone. And they're yeah. gonna do, you know, they're gonna do their sweet child of mine, and they're gonna do stuff like that. But every guitar player has the things that we we can do as guitar players that we can kind of do. But as far as doing their DNA, good luck. And, and I think, I think Joe, you know, I think Joe and Sam, Sammy's like, yeah, that's why I got Joe. He's gonna, he's gonna nail it for you right here. <laughs> and even Joe was like, no, man, this shit is fucking impossible. Then I, if first, if I'm saying those words, I'm not playing after that. If I'm saying it's impossible <laughs> for me, the next thing I'm doing is putting the fucking guitar down. Yeah. But, uh, but you know, he, 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 he apologized because you know what, everybody will rip you apart, you know, and you, unfortunately, to learn something like Mean Streets, you got to sit down you got to go for like, you got to go like what I did. You know, you literally sit there like a child and I don't care how good you are. It's kind of going back to the drawing board. Cause you're like, Oh, this is different. Mm -hmm. What is happening here? This rhythm pattern. And you're like, Oh my God. It's like, dude, you're like, Oh my God, he's drumming. Got it. Get that. Can I do that? Can I, do I play drums? No, don't play me. <laughs> Just don't do it. Don't do it. Yeah. Well, that's true. Were you asked to take part in that tour at all? Like, were you approached by Sam and Mike? Say, hey, come play guitar for us on this Van Halen tribute thingy? Or no, I get no respect, man. I get no respect. 
<laughs> Zero. You know what? This goes back to, it's funny. I said it to Sammy not too long ago. You know, I had an opportunity. Uh, Sammy would never ask me to do anything because I, I, I think I might have. I, I think I might have blown that chance, but he, mm. you know, back in the day when I was, when we were first coming into the scene, uh, I don't know if I've ever told this story, but might as well get into more trouble now. Yeah, let's do but, it. But back in the day when we first, Extreme first came out, I got approached by a guitar magazine. They were doing this thing where they were like, hey, these new, new up and coming, you know, slash, you know, quote unquote guitar heroes. Right. Interviewing their heroes. Meaning like, so we want you to interview Edward. And my head was like, wait, what? When I was like 22, 23. Oh, you must have been freaking out. So I was like, this is incredible because I knew all the catalog, knew all the nuances. I couldn't wait to ask him. I was like studying, had like, you know, I, I'm not a, you know, I'm not a journalist. I'm not, I don't, I don't want to interview people, but I was ready. I was going in and prepping for about a month. And then like two or three days before the interview, I get a call from my manager and my manager says, hey, I got some bad news. I'm like, why? He goes, uh, the Edward interview's not happening. And I was like, whoa. I was like, my heart sunk. And I would think I might have vomited a little bit, but I was just like, it was really heartbreaking. But then I said, why? He's just, he is it me? He doesn't want to do it? He goes, no, they're still doing it. I'm like, wait, what? They're still doing the interview? Like I got I got booted out of it? Like I got I got replaced? He goes, yeah, by Sammy. And I was just like, what? Wait a second. I was like, hold on one second. What just happened? He's in the band with him. I thought the whole idea was somebody that's coming up that's on some covers, but is going to interview like somebody, his hero, and it's going to be incredible. Yeah. Yeah, but uh, Sammy got wind of it, and he was he was offended that they didn't ask him because he's a guitar player as well. And, and oh, come on! So I got I got kind of thrown out of it, but. I, I was I was upset. I was disappointed. Not upset. I was in a, I was just disappointed yeah, because it's a it was a dream. It was a dream come true, right? To sit there and ask him about certain guitar pieces, even deep cuts that maybe he wouldn't have been asked about before, and techniques and things like that that really influence people. Mm-hmm. Or even but asking him about you know I, why I, he uses a harmonizer, or, you know, stuff like that. But, but me, 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 and Sammy, we spoke about it. You know, late, late, later in, on, you know, I was on tour with that. Not on tour with them. I went to see a couple of shows. I went and you know and. Sammy kind of said, hey, man, sorry, I'm sorry I beat you out of that thing. And I'm like, beat me out of it, bro. I was like, I was like but 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 then but then we uh, I reminded him again just recently. We did that interview up at my studio and I was like, yo, I'm still I still haven't forgiven you for, 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 for taking that that dream, that kid, that kid from Hudson, Mass, who's going to finally interview Eddie Van Halen or have a conversation or meet him. How about just meet him and talk to him? But uh, no, I love Sammy. We're good buddies. But uh, that that was a true story, man. I was I was crushed. I was crushed, but you know what? In a way, I got to meet I got to meet Edward in a different way, where it was it was in more of a I don't know how to explain this intimate kind of way as opposed to like a professional thing. Yeah, it was it was very organic, and it was like we we met in a way that was really he was so beautiful towards me. He was really respectful. Talked about playing and talked about stuff, and it was opposed to me being the kid going, "Oh, Edward, you know, I love you. You're you're, you're a god." It was more like we had already, you know had a few albums out and three sides and all that. And, yeah. you know, you know, you never know if, if, if your hero listens to you or not, you know? Mm-hmm. And then when you finally meet him and he mentions a couple of things and he does listen to you, man, it's, 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 uh, there's nothing, there's nothing, you know, more special than that, you know? And, and, and especially there was a, there was a, a quick, short little 30 second story that probably was the greatest story for me from Edward. And I, I once again, I'm not sure I ever told the story, but, I was, I was, I was 
Extreme was opening. I I want to say we were opening for ZZ Top. I, I mm. it was ZZ Top or David Lee Roth at that time. I can't remember. But the reason I'll tell you why I forgot because our our sound guy uh, had to go home. There was a death in the family, and you know when a band loses their front of house, it's a big deal because he's the he's the he's the one of the he's a fifth member of the band. Yeah, he knows how I, the band's supposed to sound. You know, the band sounds and everything else and what we want and. All of a sudden, we're like, oh, wow, we're on tour. We had to get somebody else. And then we got told that, you know, Van Halen just finished their run and their sound guy is going to come and mix us. And I'm like, you want him? Like, hell yeah. If he can mix Edward, hell yeah, let's let's bring him in. Yeah. And I remember it's one of those things when somebody flies in, band shows up, you know, crew's already staunching. The dude's already out there before we even meet him, you know. So I get on stage. And whenever I get on stage, every guitar player has this. I, I saw on the Generation X tour, like, everybody gets, the second they plug in, they play a lick. It's always the same one to kind of check their sound and check their tone and do their thing. And for me, because I play so percussively, I've always played this riff to He-Man Woman Hater off of the Pornography album. It's this right. real kick drum. Speaking of percussions, like... Yeah. It's like, like you weren't a, double, a drummer. <laughs> like a drummer playing double kick metal pattern, right? Yeah. And that always checked if my sound was tight. It was the way I liked it and everything else, so I'm playing it. And all of a sudden, as I'm playing it, I plug in, and I hear this voice coming through my wedges like, hey, hey, you know, this is, this is uh, you know, I'm not going to mention his name because he might not let me talk about him, but, you know, it was mm -hmm. Joe. It's called Joe. But he goes, he says, hey, I'm, I'm, I'm front of house. I'm like, oh, I'm like, I get on the mic. Nice to meet you, man. You know, meeting on stage. And he says to me, hey, that lick you were just playing, is that yours? So first thing I thought was like, great. We got a new sound guy. I hasn't even heard the album because it's on the album. <laughs> So I'm like, he probably hasn't had a chance to listen to extreme porn graffiti. And I'm like, yeah, you know, with an attitude, I'm like, yeah, that's mine. He goes, and he saw that I was kind of annoyed. So then he runs up to the stage and he, he meets me and he says, listen, man, I, I'm sorry. I wasn't trying to annoy you or anything. I was asking you because I've been hearing that lick on the Van Halen tour for like a month. Like, wait, wait, what do you mean you've been hearing that lick? He goes, yeah, Eddie, I just, I thought he was writing a new song and I kept hearing him play this like slower though like down like playing like and he kept like playing it fat and i was like oh my god he's creating a new song and it was exactly that riff and i'm like wait wait are you trying to tell me that edward was wait learning one of my riffs i'm like i at least i don't have proof i don't have audio proof but as a kid a younger kid and hearing something like that that your hero maybe just maybe uh, might have tried to learn one of your licks which you know which was a, a which definitely was an interesting lick on that album it was definitely an odd you know, odd thing to play and learn. I asked him to tell me that story every night before I went to bed on the on the bus. I'm like, can you tell me that story again about Edward's Ed learning He Man Woman Hater? But look, I got no audio proof, but I'll take it. I believe him. <laughs> and uh, and uh, look, that those are dream scenarios. You hear somebody that maybe one day, somebody that you uh, that that changed your life. You know, Edward is one of the the big, not the biggest influences on me and. Uh, you know, he's, he's the guy, man. He'll always be the guy. And, and there, nobody, not me, not anybody else, not Satriani, not Sorry Joe, not Nuno, not Brian even. Brian, you, everybody does their own lane, but nobody's going to take that Edward throne. Nobody. No. He's the, he's the king. No, I agree. Are you in the school of like uh, the old school Van Halen one Brown sound, or do you like the foreign lawful carnal knowledge process kind of tone? Yeah, no, I, I, my, my, uh, my allegiance is brown all day, all day. <laughs> yeah. And, 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 you know, and for me, I've always, 
it's so interesting because I don't know that I did that with my amps because of Edward. Mm-hmm. I've always heard it like that to me. If somebody goes to my amp right now, even now when they go on stage, they'll they'll think some it's they'll think somebody went over and messed with my knobs before I went on to sabotage me. Huh. It's like everything is like trebles on one and a half two, mids on one and a half two, bases on four, like five. Okay. Presents all down, so I can really turn it up and I have it really warm and really like punchy and loud but still percussive and i imagine that's what that if eddie's was brown i think mine is a shade it's a shade darker than that purple Your, yours is mocha <laughs> yeah mocha mocha something i don't know what it is but uh yeah yeah uh extreme six available now for every music it's one of the best rock records of the last of the last century let's be honest here everybody's saying it <laughs> i'll take it it sounds big century right the century's greatest rock record from one of the greatest bands of all time that should be like the commercial you know yeah. uh extreme-band.com go check them out on tour last time i saw you guys was at the m3 rock fest a couple of years ago we were hanging out after the show in the extreme corner at the hotel or drinking wine out of the bottle and just it was, it was insane is the live show still the most important part to you is that still fun yeah, look, I think that's everything. I mean, I've never liked making albums. I hate it, actually. Mm. I fucking hate it. I hate making it. Is it's, it too surgical for you? or What is it? Yeah, it's because, you know what it is? It's because when you write a song or you write a riff and you're hearing it and then the band plays it, or, or in my head, at least right away, production-wise, the drum sound, everything, the hi-hat pattern, I hear everything right away. It's like a fucking matrix just drops down, and mm-hmm. which is amazing. But now I got to go and recreate everything I'm already hearing, mm-hmm. which sometimes it falls short. Sometimes it's not what you think it is. Sometimes it's like it's it's like having, you know, being pregnant and you 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 want you know what the baby's going to look like. But now you got to like, OK, you got to it's like nine months of making it happen somehow. Like and right. it's just and it, and it, to me, that, that's just the, the growing pains and it's the pains and the birthing of it. I'm not a fan of that. I love to just go on stage, have one shot to play the track. And, and move on, mm-hmm. and go for it. You know what I mean? And, and 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 sometimes it's great, sometimes it's brilliant, sometimes it's not so great. And it's a crowd, it's a relationship, and it's theirs and it's yours. And you leave it on that stage and you go home. I've never, since I've been born, been able to watch a, a, an old VHS copy back in the day from a board tape. Uh, mm-hmm. Right now, if you will not catch me on Instagram or any socials watching, the second I see a live clip of us, even from two nights ago, I'm like, ah, nope, nope. Swiped. Nope. It just, it just, it's horrible. It's like, I don't want to know about it. I don't want to know how good or bad or whatever I could have done or whatever, like going Mm. through a phone. I like to remember it how I remember it. And it was special to me with that audience and then move on. So the album is great when you finish it, it's mastered and you actually want to share it with people. You're excited. That's like great because the process leading up to that was nothing but just anxiety to me. Just like, yeah. Are you, that are you the type that, like, you know, here's a record, and like, oh, man, I'd love my drums to sound like that on my album, or, like, like because you go from those early extreme records to, like, you know, Three Sides, for example, I mean, like, it was mid-90s, and, like, a lot of records were getting away from that process tone, Three Sides, it sounds like you're in the room with you guys, like, that drum sound of that, and the guitar sounds insane, then you go back yeah, to the cannonball I mean, snare kind of stuff, like, in you know, porno graffiti, and yeah. very different yeah, I records. Mean, I, I think I think it's one of those things where I've never really, like I said, I think we've always been in a bit of a bubble in the sense of whether it was 80s, 90s, or 70s. I think it's like whatever's really turning you on at the time. I mean, are you influenced by stuff you hear? Of course. I mean, a lot of the 90s stuff that, that a lot of, I mean, we came out in the 90s essentially anyways, even though we're yeah. a bit of an 80s band. We came out 89, 90 on the cusp. But as much as, as much as we we are who we are as extreme 
you know, I, I was, I loved, and a lot of bands from the eighties were like, you know, you know, fuck, you know, the nineties and Nirvana and grunge all stuff. I was like, hell yeah. I mm. loved it, man. I still love it. I, I'm playing this somewhere in a couple of days and the opening song I'm doing is breed from Nirvana. Cause I love Jeez. singing that shit and playing it. I love that track, but I, I welcome music. I love music and I love anything that's refreshing and new and anything that somebody's like, you know, and at that time when that, when, when, you know, uh, Nevermind came out and the Songgarden stuff, which way were label mates of ours and Temple of the Dog. It was even even earlier than that. Mm. I was like, hell yeah, because all it didn't sound like grunge to me and it didn't sound like 90s. It always sounded like everything I grew up with in the, in the 70s anyways. Mm. It always sounded like, you know, you know, Black Sabbath based and, 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 and heavy and and even Nirvana. I always heard I always heard of Nirvana as like a heavy Beatles to me. I just always did. I always thought those metal the the, the I thought the melodies were really popping. The, the the grooves even Grohl was doing on that stuff, you know. It was like all these Ringo Starish Beatles. And then I finally read somewhere later that Kurt actually said that he goes. He feels like there's just so so much of a Beatles influence there that nobody sees mm. in the way they form songs in these simple pop because he was screaming and kind of had this rasp. It might have not sounded so nice, mm. but like. Please, a lot of those melodies, you break them down and they're like, a lot of them are very poppy and they're very hooky, you know? That's true. You know what? I've never actually really thought of it that way because even lyrically, it's very poppy, but it's sort of singer-songwritery in a way too. It's like... Yeah, I mean, all the come as you are, mm -hmm. as the places I want you. It's like, it's very, it's it's not, you know, it's not like, it's not thrash metal. It's like, there's there's hooky melodies there. It's like, you know... uh you, you go and listen to any, any other stuff and you go, wow, there's a, there's a pop sensibility there that was what really, that's what I talk about, that simplexity, where you do it so well that there's layers that when you start looking at the layers, all what we're hearing is like, down, down, we're hearing like when it comes in and the heaviness of it. But when you break it down and even the soft part of that verse, you're like, you know, wow, there's a melody there and there's, there's a very pop sensibility there. Uh, and it's it's very cool. That's what I loved about Nirvana as well. You know. Yeah, uh, we're running out of time, but just real quick, uh, live wise, what are you playing these days? Have you switched over to the digital stuff? Or are you still running some tube amps up there? Uh, so it's it's tube or die, man. It's uh, it has to be. It, it it just you know, there's the only way I can describe a, an amp and a head with tubes and and you know electronics and valves and stuff like that is it's the human version of an amp. Mm -hmm. where it can it can be not great sometimes and there's a relationship between there's a push and pull there's always like a love hate with your amp and and your tone from one gig to the next and i think that's what makes you connect all human at once do i you know do i get digital stuff and do i get you know all the, the modeling and everything yeah i have i have you know i have a kemper in the studio and it's great for writing and it's even t it's tempting mm -hmm. as fuck to use it and use it. But the second I put up, you know, my 57 and the 421 in front of that one off axis off the speaker and I have the head where it sounded, it's just like, no, it just, it just, if you don't AB it, you don't know. If you get lazy and you just do it, then you're like, oh, I can do that. But then the people that I know that are always like, okay, do that, but do me a favor, right next to it, just plug into your amp again. And you're gonna have a love hate with it. You're gonna be, but there's something that happens with air moving and speakers and microphones and things that are just, it's too human, you know, it's just, it's, 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 it's it, the emotion of the way you play comes out more, mm -hmm. you know, it's the only way I can describe it, you know. That's really profound. Wow. Uh, 
Well, look. That's, look, that's why somebody asked me the other day, goes, how do you feel about AI and everything coming in? Are you scared and all this stuff? And I'm like, man, bring it on. The more AI, the more perfection, the more rock and roll goes from here to here mm-hmm. because you can't fabricate that kind of emotion and attitude. You can make it perfect. You can even try to fabricate emotion if you want. But with, but the more cleaner, the more perfect, the more pop gets like that and people thinking it's going to change music. Yeah, it's going to change music and it's going to make us look at rock and roll and attitude and, and, and bring it up to the surface again where it's like people are going to want that more and more because they're tired of how homogenized and pasteurized everything sounds. Yeah. You know? That's that's what I believe is going to happen. So yeah, bring on AI. Let's go. Rock and roll will will rule again. I think so. I mean, AI guitar is plugged into like a neural DSP quad cortex. I mean, the world's going to burn. <laughs> <laughs> yeah, we'll, listen, we'll all be we'll be on a different planet by then. Trying to breathe. Don't worry about that. Yeah, probably. <laughs> well, Nuno, you've said it all, man. Appreciate chatting. This was an awesome first interview. I'll have to do this again. You're welcome back anytime. Thanks, brother. Thanks, Jerry. Appreciate it. An all-new episode of The Jeremy White Show. Available wherever you stream. Catch up on past interviews and episodes on demand now. Subscribe so you don't miss any of it.